What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today we have Eric Ferrero. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Perfect. I always forget to do this. I always, I'm always like, I'm ready to do it. And then I ask their name. And right as I'm saying their name, I'm like, shit, <laughs> I'm going to fuck up their name. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> okay. Eric Ferrero is with us. He's the main programmer and game designer behind the Meteor Fall games. Uh, so this is part of Slothworks is the main studio. Now, Eric, thank you so much for taking your time out of uh, your busy day to join us. Uh, I'm super excited for this. Awesome. Me too. <laughs> so before we dive into Meteor Fall, um, because I have a, a good amount of questions and just praise that I want to sing to you, but I always like to start by getting to know the actual brains behind the games themselves. So can you tell me a little bit about who you are and how you got into game development? Yeah, um, so I got into game development uh, probably, I would say, in middle school or so, um, middle school, high school, I think. Um, Basically, you know, I play a lot of video games, as a lot of kids do, um, and I was curious about how they were made. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, my dad, he wasn't a programmer, but he had done, you know, in college, some like Fortran or basic or something as part of his engineering degree. Right. Uh, and he basically handed me a, uh, a GW basic manual, you know, this thick, you know, 400 page book and said, you know, programming is how you make games, uh, you know, knock yourself out. So um <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah so uh you know that was sort of before the internet so i sort of um you know just sort of read through this book which is mostly you know just a reference of the different you know programming commands and stuff um you know checked out books from the library and so i was you know before i really understood what i was doing and, and sort of the concepts behind programming i was able to make some uh like really simple text-based games like you know choose your own adventures mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you know things like that like you know here's three choices, input one, if you want to do this, or input two, if you want to do that. Um, right. I also did a bunch of, um, you know, different mods for StarCraft and stuff like that, um, which Fun. had a uh, kind of like a trigger system, which you could, you know, put together some pretty sophisticated things. Um, I didn't really make anything notable there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it helped me sort of practice, you know, getting different ideas. Um, right. You got to start somewhere, okay. right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. Um, and so I think, I think, you know, designing levels for games, uh, you know, combined with getting some programming exposure, uh, was sort of how I got my start. So, um, you know, fast forward a little bit, uh, I was deciding on a major for college. I decided to go, um, you know, into computer science so I could, you know, learn more about programming. Um, and so sort of by day, I'm a, um, I've done both, you know, programming, uh, you know, development stuff, uh, as well as doing management stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, by day, I'm an engineering manager, uh, you know, by night, I'm a, you know, game dev and, and game designer, um, you know, uh, you know, making games and stuff like that. Um, you know, something I've been passionate about for a long time is sort of the reason I got into programming. So I wanted to, uh, you know, keep developing games on the side as a hobby and, uh, you know, see where it goes. Wow. So, so wait, hold up. So are you telling me that you have both a day job and you're working on the Meteor Fall games or are you saying before they became, no, uh, no, no, I still, yeah, no, I, I work, um, I work full time and yeah, the Meteor Fall games are a, are a side project. So, wow. Yeah. So I do, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, so normally I um, I try and do about, you know, roughly an hour and a half a day. So, you know, 10 to 15 hours a week. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, on the games, uh, you know, I, I, I use some time tracking to, you know, keep myself honest and make sure I'm, you know, putting in hours I need to. But, um, you know, when you space it out over the, the course of a week, uh, you know, it mm-hmm. becomes more or less manageable. I mean, it, you know, for me, it sort of eats into what I would call, you know, Netflix time or something. So, you know, the hours are <laughs> right. there, it's just, you know, how do you spend them? And I would say it's mostly, you know, mostly relaxing, something I can can do after work that I enjoy, even though it's, you know, work, so to speak. Right. Um, you know, it is it's still a I hobby, enjoy. though. Yeah, it's, it's still a hobby. I mean, there's definitely aspects I don't enjoy, like, you know, fixing bugs and crashes and, and stuff like that. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but at least in the early stages, when you're just sort of, you know, messing around and trying out a new concept, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty fun and, and relaxing. Wow. That's, I mean, that's impressive to me because <laughs> that's a lot of um, skill to really manage your time effectively to keep rolling out all of these different updates. Because, you know, from my side of things, I would never have even expected that because the games that you're working on, they have, you know, not, I wouldn't say like the most frequent, but they're, I wouldn't have expected that someone is working on these part-time and still rolling out these updates. So kudos to you for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's a couple of things there. I mean, I think the first is, uh, you know, being realistic about what you can do and sort of scoping the updates and the content and, you know, sort of the gameplay features to that. So, right. um, you know, when you're first thinking of an idea, you know, it's sort of, you know, the sky's the limit. And as you're getting closer to release, you have to, you know, make hard choices about which features to cut. So, uh, you know, cutting features and, and, you know, things like that and being realistic about what you can deliver, um, you know, are a big part of being able to ship those updates. I think the right. the other aspect is, um, you know, I do have such a, a supportive community of players who, you know, are enthusiastic and, you know, they give me a lot of energy because, uh, you know, they get excited about the updates and stuff like that, which sort of motivates me to, to finish them. I mean, I think for an indie dev, the worst thing you can do is, or, you know, the worst experience you can have is to, you know, spend your, your hours on something and have no one care about it. So right. I think having a community that gets excited and cares about what you're doing, um, you know, has been a big motivation um, for me to keep the updates coming, um, you know, as much as possible. Yeah, that's a, kind of on that point. Are you then looking mostly towards the audience as far as what new features are coming up? Or do you have almost a road plan in mind and it just it motivates you to, to push forward? What does that look like as far as, you know, the, the community feedback anyway? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a little bit of both. So, I mean, I think obviously as the the game designer, you have to have some sort of uh, vision about where you want to take the game. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, of course, at the same time, you want to listen to you know what do players want and you know things like that. And so, one of the reasons that um, I decided to go with uh, early access for Crummit's Tale is uh, what I found with Meteor Fall is some of my best ideas um, you know came after the game was in front of players and. Uh, so, you know, I wanted to iterate a lot more. Um, right. And so, you know, during early access, I've gotten feedback, you know, early and often. And so, you know, I sort of always knew in my head, um, you know, in early access, I want to add, you know, roughly this many characters. You know, I roughly know what kind of, you know, abilities and things they're going to have. I know I want to have a mm-hmm. daily challenge mode. But there's been a lot of features, I think, along the way where, you know, I wouldn't have come up with that if I hadn't gotten that feedback from players that, hey, this is important to me. Yeah. Um, uh, just yeah. a shout out before um, the newest feature, one of the newest for that mutation mode. I love the dungeon crawler feature. Oh, that is oh, yeah. such a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that that's one of the things I um I found was 
you know, successful with Meteor Fall as well is, um, you know, what keeps players coming back to the game, um, you know, was a daily challenge, which has these, you know, kind of radical modifiers. I mean, sometimes you, mm -hmm. you play a game to death and, you know, you kind of get bored with the, with the status quo doing the normal run and just having these kind of wacky modes, um, I think is, is important. Um, definitely yeah, some, sure. some, uh, some inspiration I drew there from, you know, Hearthstone. I think they did a good job with the, the tavern brawl mode, which, you know, kept me playing that game, you know, long after I'd gotten tired of just the standard, you know, one-on-one -on -one gameplay. Right. You need something to, to have those people come back, especially, um, you know, in smaller rollouts or increment rollouts, it does make sense to have those little new things that are like, hey, come back. You know, there's there's new stuff. It's, it's different now kind of a thing. Right, right. And I, I think that's important, right? Because, um, you know, there's a lot of games that, you know, people can choose from and, you know, you want something that, um, you know, helps players feel like they're getting good value out of their game. And so, you know, if they can beat it and, and put it away, you know, a lot of players may think, hey, that, you know, that wasn't really worth it. But just having something different to play every day if they want to, um, I think is a nice thing to have. Right. So uh, let's take a step back because we're, we're jumping into the actual games. But for those who haven't actually played it, um, first off, I'm super excited because honestly, the original Meteor Fall Journeys, it's the only mobile game to this day that I still have downloaded on my phone and will still play. Every other nice. mobile game, I feel like it's a one of those, you know, I'll download it, I'll play it for a couple of days, and then I'll never pick it up again. Yeah. But Meteor Fall has, a, it, it's just, it's such a simplistic idea, um, but in done in such a good way that is easily accessible, but still has an amount of like, you have to be skilled to get to a certain point in the game, especially when those difficulty modifiers creep in. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you also have another game, Meteor Fall Crewmate's Tale, which has those same characters and, and feels very similar, but it's also a, a totally different mechanic. Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, what these two games are like for those who might not know what Meteor Fall is? Yeah, so I'll start with Meteor Fall Journey. So um, that's a game that I released in 2018 and um, you know, I call it a, let's see, a card-based deck building roguelike, um, which is kind of, kind of a mouthful, but basically <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. But basically it's, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a dungeon crawler game where, um, the different items and abilities you have are represented by cards. Um, and so, you know, at its core, you're basically fighting monsters, you're upgrading cards, you're going to shops and things like that. I think the the one mechanic that um, I think stands out in that game is uh, how you play the card. So mm -hmm. you know, a lot of card games you have a uh, you have a hand of cards and you can play the cards in any order and, and things like that. Uh, in Meteor Fall, um, at any given time, you're shown one card, which is the top card on your deck, and there's a you know a swipe left, swipe right mechanic where you decide if you want to play that card or not. And you know, of course cards have costs associated with it so like stamina or mana or something like that mm -hmm. and so if you uh if you play the card you swipe right you know it resolves this effect and then you draw the next card on top of your deck uh if you swipe left instead of spinning resources you'll recover some resources so some stamina or something and then draw the next card so um i think it works well in mobile because you know the swipe mechanic is you know pretty intuitive a lot of apps uh use something like that uh, mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. also, um, especially for players who aren't used to card games, it sort of cuts down on some of the 
uh, analysis paralysis of, you know, what card do I want to play? Like, <laughs> yeah. you're just looking at one card. It's like, you know, making a yes or no decision. So uh, what I found is that um, while it wasn't as deep as some other, you know, kind of deck building games, so uh, Slay the Spire, Dream Quest, things like that, mm -hmm. uh, it did help. It did help reach some players who are ordinarily intimidated by, you know, having this hand of cards and, you know, looking at five or six complex cards at a time and deciding what they want to play. Right, um, right. And so, uh, you know, as you go along in Meteor Fall, you can, you know, upgrade the card. So um, each card has three levels of upgrades. Um, you can remove cards from your deck to make the deck more efficient. Um, and so you're traveling to different regions and fighting different types of enemies and bosses and things like that. So uh, that's Meteor Fall in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's very good. Good yeah, description so, of it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Uh, yeah, so Kremit's Tale um, is sort of a, uh, a follow-up. I don't consider it a sequel per se because the games are so different. So I didn't feel right, right. to call it a sequel. Yeah, okay. but it's a um, but it's sort of a follow-up and it takes place in the same universe. So, uh, you know, most of the same characters in the original game are, are back. We're, you know, expanding the lore and stuff like that. Um, and so um, even though the games play very different, I also consider it, um, you know, to be a pretty similar game, like the, the core gameplay loop of, you know, you have, you start with a basic deck, um, your deck has items and abilities, you go to different regions, you fight monsters, you remove cards, you add cards, um, all those things are very similar to Meteor Fall. What's different, um, and I think different than, than any other kind of deck building card game out there, is that the gameplay takes place uh, on a three by three grid. And so when the dungeon starts, your deck, which is, you know, like the player deck is shuffled with the dungeon deck, which has monsters in it. And then, you know, cards are drawn off the top and laid out in this grid. Um, and so that adds a lot of strategic options where, um, you know, positioning of different, um, the positioning of the cards in the grid is important. Um, actually, before I get into that, taking a step back, <laughs> Um, that, there's a lot getting, to it. There, there's a lot to it. Um, so you have these items and abilities and monsters sort of laid out in this three by three grid. Um, you can, uh, you can tap a monster to fight it. Um, and you have, you know, a basic attack move you can do without having, um, you know, having acquired any cards. And so you can go back and forth and, and kill a monster like that. Um, killing a monster gives you gold. And so gold is sort of the currency you'll use to acquire cards from the board. So, um, you know, maybe the dungeon starts out, you don't have any cards or gold yet. So you, you know, you slay a basic skeleton, you take a little bit of damage. Um, you could use that gold to buy some chain mail. Um, and then that chain mail is added to, you know, I call it your inventory, kind of like a mm -hmm. hand. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe use that, that chain mail to block a strong attack from a, um, I don't know, a goblin enemy who you couldn't ordinarily defeat. Um, and so, um, you know, kill a goblin, kill some more skeletons, you acquire, you know, maybe a slash ability or, or something like that. And so um, it's it's more of a, um, you know, I call it sort of a, a card-based dungeon crawler, but it's actually a little bit um, uh, more closely related to uh, resource, like a resource management board right. game type of thing almost puzzle like so um yeah. you know you're you're sort of trying to balance your your health and your gold and acquire resources and sort of you know everything is a resource and and just trying to figure out how to manage that efficiently is sort of one of the the keys of the game 
So that that was actually one of my questions that while I was, you know, looking at these games, the the concept is is very similar in, you know, you have your cards, you have very similar characters, similar enemies, but the combat and the main mechanic behind it is so vastly different. What what was the inspiration from jumping through this mobile game where it was more of uh, you know a mechanic of just swiping left or right to something where it was like, well, I want to go much more complex with this three by three grid. Yeah, I honestly don't remember the original inspiration at um, at this point, though I was I think I was definitely inspired by well a couple of developers. So one developer I follow a lot is uh, Arnold Rowers um, from uh, Tiny Touch Tales, and he's made a couple mm-hmm. interesting games like Hard Crawl, Card Thief. Uh, Miracle Merchant, mm-hmm. um, and so that was that was one developer I was sort of looking at. Another one is um, Zach Gage, who's made a lot of different games, um, including um, I forget the name of it, Sage Solitaire, I think. And in mm. Sage Solitaire, you have um, you have like it's sort of I forget the exact mechanics, but uh, you have you know I think stacks of cards on the board. And you're trying to get to the the bottom of the stack. And I think it has some, you know, as the name implies, some sort of solitaire mechanics. Um, I know Zach on Apple Arcade um, later went on to release Cards of Darkness, um, which is another interesting game, which is actually, um, you know, somewhat similar to Crummit in that, you know, you have a board of items and abilities and and enemies and you're trying to clear the board and and things like that. Um, So I would say those two developers were... um, you know, big influences, like, like I mentioned, Sage Solitaire, um, you know, Card Crawl, you know, um, by Tiny Touch Tales, this, this idea that, you know, you have a, a deck that consists of, you know, your cards plus enemy cards, and you're trying to clear the deck, like, I think that was a big inspiration as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, it's a totally different environment, but it really works out. Um, one of the things about this, both games have, you know, we've mentioned this, the the same characters, they they feel like they're in the same uh, storyline or timeline, so to speak. Um, but then you have this addition of of Krumit or, or uh, how did you, how do you say it exactly? I pronounce it Krumit. I think, I think people okay. pronounce it a lot of different ways. So I, yeah, I'm, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not too All right. I've always said, it. I've always said Krumit. And when I first saw it, I kept saying Kermit because I didn't notice yeah. the U and the R were different. <laughs> yeah. but, okay. So you have this character Krumit, who is this shopkeeper that is selling you upgrades or these new items and new yep. cards that you can use in those different dungeons. But, you know, although he's selling you those items, he's also there for the entire adventure, for that entire dungeon fight. And it's almost like he's reading the story of what's happening, recording the epilogue uh, of these adventurers' tales. Is that kind of the the mentality that you were going for? Or is, you know, there's something different happening with, with Crummit being in this story? Um, I think... Like I'm still trying to figure out exactly, you know, <laughs> okay. who who Crummit is and and sort of what his involvement is. I mean, we we've sort of you know fleshed out a little bit, um, you know, of the story. Like you know, you're you're trying to collect these, um, you know, different artifacts. Um, I sort of see this, um, you know, he's you know in the game, you know, visually you have this, you know, shopkeeper Crummit, this kind of green dude in the back holding this box, and you're you know, playing the game and stuff. Um, and at the end, he makes, you know, reference to recovering some artifacts and things like that. 
So I sort of see kind of, you know, in my head, um, you know, he's sort of, he's sort of testing you to see if you're, you're worthy of a, you know, a future challenge or something. Um, gotcha. that, that's sort of, you know, in my head, how it works. I think we're, we're still fleshing out, you know, what that looks like exactly. But, um, yeah, that's right. how I think of it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And and that is true because in the I was trying to look a little bit further in the description, it kind of alluded to it's a mystery. You don't know who Crummit might be. And I was like, I wonder if that's just them saying that or, you know, where do we find that out? Yeah, I mean, I think it's yeah, sort of what we wanted to do, I think, also is, you know, introduce this new character. And, um, you know, we can talk more about this later, but, you know, I'd love to do more Meteor Fall games. And so, you know, mm -hmm, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, flushing out Crummit some more, expanding on, you know, what is he there for and what are his, what are his motivations and things like that, I think is something that I definitely like to do. Right. I think that makes sense. Um, on the, the, the subject of new characters. So you mentioned that in, well, not in this interview specifically, but in like one of the devlogs for uh, the Steam mm -hmm. page for Kermit's Tale, that the 1.0 release is going to have the addition of one new familiar character, if you've played Meteorfall Journeys, which is Rose. Right. Um, and before I dive into the actual question, I just wanted to say, because my five-year-old niece would be very upset with me if I didn't, um, she loves Rose. Oh, that's this awesome. Is, this is one of those things where you were saying, you know, it, it's Meteor Fall Journeys isn't as intimidating or it's, it's more accessible yeah. to, you know, a different audience. My niece saw me playing this one day and she's only five and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm playing Meteor Fall. And she's like, I want Rose. Every time I can't play another character. If I'm playing this game by her, it has to be Rose <laughs> and funny. she'll, she'll let me play. And then all of a sudden she'll just keep swiping and she'll be like taking my phone. And now she's playing. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but, um, so I just wanted to, to let her know that, you know, she wanted to say thank you for Rose. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. But anyway, um, at that point, we're, we're now adding Rose as the final character into Crummit's Tale. That will um, finalize the, the early access release. It'll, it'll go out of early access. Yep. But we also have one additional character from Meteor for All Journeys who won't be there for the end of that early access. Do we anticipate including Varfa later on? Yeah, I, I definitely plan to add her as well. Um, she may be a like a DLC or, or something like that. Um, gotcha. Not 100% sure yet, but um, yeah, we ha I haven't started any development. I actually started recently, sort of concepting, um, you know, what her uh, what her gameplay might look like and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, you know, one of the the key I guess tenants of the design is you know that each character should feel pretty different and, and sort of introduce something new. So. Right. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, Barfa, um, for people who haven't played Meteor Fall, she's sort of a, a ranger character. She has a, uh, like a, a pet companion that, um, you know, can attack. And so, um, you know, in, in Crummit's Tale, we already have Moldorf who has some, you know, skeleton minions. So, um, you know, there's sort of some precedent for, you know, what this companion might look like, but, uh, I think a key with Varfa will be, you know, how do I, how do I make the companion feel? um unique the same way that it was unique in meteor fall right yeah no i think that makes a lot of sense it's it's difficult because for those who actually know both games you're doing something where you're creating these characters that people already know and have mechanics that they're already familiar with and then using that and having to come up with a creative way to make it still feel the same but totally different because the mechanics are you know 
much much different yeah. in that way so it is interesting to see how those characters change up like i love the addition of moldorf having uh still being able to use his skeletons, but having it more as gravestones on the board and having to mm -hmm. use your own health, like things like that were very creative in the, in the sense that I wouldn't have thought of how you really had done that. And I was like, oh, okay. So, I mean, maybe I would see something like Varfa having, you know, uh, the bear as another card in your slot. So it would be like a minion, kind of like the skeleton, but that would be tough because then maybe the bear would be too overpowered. So it, yeah, it, I could see yeah. where there would be issues with having to to come up with a creative way. But I'm glad to hear that at least we do have that on the board as something that we can look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm definitely excited to add her. I have some, you know, pretty wacky ideas to to try and make the companion work. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Sometimes it takes, you know, some uh, some iteration to get it right. Can we expect any other characters as far as like new ones because that would be, you know, the the last one from Meteor Fall Journeys. Do you have any other ideas or is there anything else that you foresee? I mean, just in general, not even characters, but are there any other big ideas or experiments that you want to tinker with as far as once early access is over with Krumit's Tale? Yeah, it's a good question. Sorry. It's a good, yeah, it's okay. It's a good question. Um, I haven't decided like, you know, what the, the post-launch, you know, content and support will look like. Um, Adding another character is definitely possible. Obviously, that's sort of you know something that takes a uh, you know quite a bit of time. So uh, that would probably come you know later since there are other projects I want to work on. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the things I did enjoy with Meteor Fall was um, you know adding the the post launch content updates and, and things like that. Um, right. And there's definitely some you know lots of things I can do there. I think. Um, you know, at the very least, I'd like to add some more you know items abilities. Um, perks, which are, you know, sort of passive bonuses that your, your hero can get. Um, adding new mutation modes is, is definitely something on the roadmap. I think those are something that can add a lot of life, um, you know, relative to the amount of effort to implement them as compared yeah. to another character. Um, so we'll, we'll see about another character. I think, um, you know, another thing I enjoyed with Meteor Fall um, was, um, you know, in some cases we did launches of content where we introduced a character in Crummit's tail and maybe they you know came up as a, a cosmetic skin in meteor fall or, or something like that and so um you know i think in you know in future games maybe having um you know introducing a new character and maybe they also come to Crummit's tail i'm not really sure we'll have to see you know a lot of it depends on how much time i have and, and stuff like that but Right. Um, I definitely plan at least some sort of, you know, content updates periodically after the initial release as well. Yeah, that, that's kind of interesting because you're, you know, you're supporting, you're support, uh, excuse me, you're supporting both of these games, but it's almost like those fans will expect if you put one character or one <laughs> type of mechanic in, in, you know, journeys, they would want it in the other just because they're so closely tied together, but it, yeah. it's not always going to be that way, I assume. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, like since I do, you know, I have a, a day job and, and stuff, obviously, like, you know, if I release a third game, I can't do like three content updates across all the games at the same time. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to see like how that works out. But um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's something that would be cool. I, I like the um, I definitely like the, you know, kind of like cross cross-game sort of marketing and, and lore opportunities that there are, um, you know, where players of one game can, 
you know, learn about another game because, you know, their favorite characters in both of them and, and stuff like that. So I think there are some interesting opportunities there. It's just a, a matter of time. Definitely. Definitely. So, and I, and this might be a little bit, you know, just a, a little forward, but are there any thoughts of going full time into game development? Um, not currently. I'm actually sort of, um, so I, I did get laid off in, uh, in April. Um, I'm, yeah, don't, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm doing fine. Um, okay. and, um, so I've actually been working on, you know, Crummit's tail first full time for the last six weeks or so. Gotcha. Um, and so, um, you know, that's actually been a lot of fun. I, I definitely enjoy it. I think, um, the idea of doing it full time and not having a job to support uh, me at the same time is difficult. Like it would definitely be fun. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, still not you know, sustainable, probably not sustainable unless I had, you know, a, a truly breakout hit. Um, right. I've posted some numbers, um, various like blog posts I did about, um, you know, the finances behind, um, uh, meteor fall as well as like the, the crummit tail early access launch. And I'll, I'll do some more posts like that in the future. Um, mm-hmm. and it's done definitely a lot better than, um, you know, I expected, um, especially right. um, the first game, Meteorfall, but um, not quite the same as, as having a, you know, a full-time job. I also think that yeah. um, one thing that's nice about having as a hobby too is, um, you know, I can do, I can do, you know, certain features or updates because it's fun rather than, you know, optimizing for, you know, I need to pay the bills. Uh, I can right. just, you know, yeah. I can release a, a free update just because I think it's a fun thing to do. Um, yeah. so I kind of like having it as a hobby, but, um, yeah, right. we'll see if maybe I'll, uh, you know, if I build the next Slay the Spire, maybe I'll, uh, I'll do it full time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely goes into when does it stop being a hobby and start becoming that profession? When does it go from being fun to something that's more of a chore? So I do yeah. understand the, the idea of keeping it more on the back burner. Um, but Obviously, that just means it might be slower updates, which is fine because yep. you're a busy guy. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but just curious. So thanks for letting us know. Sure. Um, one of the the questions that I have about this, which goes into more of that potential third game. So when I was doing a little bit of a re- uh, little bit of research, I stumbled upon something called Artifacts and Accessories mm-hmm. as a game that you were working on. Is that what Crummit's Tale was originally, or is that an idea that might come next? I think it's an idea that will come next. So I think I think artifacts um, and accessories. So um, that was so after we finished Meteor Fall, um, the the artist for that project, um, who also worked on on Crummit's Tale, his name is uh, I, I can't pronounce it like Ev- Evgeny Vitman. Um, <laughs> we'll put it we'll put it in the notes. <laughs> put it in the notes, yeah. Um, you know, he just did sort of this kind of concept piece and he called it artifacts and accessories um and it was Mm -hmm. basically a a concept art of like a a town and a bunch of characters um and uh you know as soon as i saw it like it wasn't really for anything i think he just did it for fun um gotcha but you know the 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 art style was you know the same style he'd done meteor fall in and so um as soon as i saw it um i found it so evocative that i just i wanted to build a game around that that picture that he had drawn um and i just loved the name of of artifacts and accessories so you know sort of like dungeons and dragons artifacts yeah. and accessories and it's uh you know kind of unique and i think pretty interesting and so 
Um, I did some initial prototyping on, on what that might look like. And then I had this idea for, you know, a tile based game, you know, which ended up being Crummit's Town. I'm like, let's do this one first. Gotcha. Um, and, okay. uh, and so we, we did, but I do want to return to, uh, artifacts and accessories. Um, I'm, I'm actually glad Crummit's because Tale. that was one of my thoughts when I saw it, I was like, wow, this looks really cool. <laughs> I yeah, hope that wasn't yeah. something that just got scrapped. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, um, one thing I like to do sometime is um, sort of design backwards from a uh, design, basically design a game around a screenshot. So I think there, there's different ways to maybe come up with a game. Like, you know, maybe you come up with uh, some mechanics you think are interesting and then you build a game around that. One of my favorite ways to design is actually to go the other, other direction, which is, you know, have an artist just draw something cool and, you know, try and figure out what game is this. Um, hmm. and so after, um, Evgeny drew that, that picture, I started designing, um, you know, a game of what, what is artifacts and accessories. Um, he, he drew some like different, you know, dungeon crawling, um, you know, pictures, different monsters, this town. I'm like, I think we could design a game around this. So I started, started, you know, thinking about it. And so I think he drew that maybe a couple years ago and I've just sort of been, you know, thinking about, you know, what that game might be since then, right. just, you know, scribbling some notes and ideas. Yeah, that's an interesting way to do it because then it's it's a little bit different just because you're more figuring out the mechanics that fit with that picture as opposed yeah. to having to come up with something out of thin air. Right, right, right. And it, and it's sort of I think I get a lot of um, I think when I design stuff like I I think I'm like uh, fairly visual as well, and I think having a you know a screenshot for inspiration is is definitely helpful. I think. You know, right. other game designers, maybe they, you know, they can work um, more just on the mechanics and the numbers and, and stuff like that. But for me, having that visual is sort of, uh, you know, grounded in reality is, is helpful for designing the mechanics. Is that is that the same way that Meteor Fall Journeys originated? Um, actually, Meteor Fall, Meteor Fall was actually sort of more of the, you know, come up with the mechanics and add the art later. Although I think... Gotcha. Um, Having once I had the art in place and I saw what it looked like, I sort of also started designing backwards from there. With right, um, right. with Crummit's Tale, one thing I found pretty helpful was um, the uh, the guy who's who's doing the writing, uh, a guy named Danny Wadeson, um, mm -hmm. and Evgeny would sort of come up with uh, idea like you know Evgeny would just draw some item. He, I would just say you know draw a dozen items that that we can right. add to the game. And then, you know, in many cases, I'd figure out what the item did later um, or, <laughs> okay. or Danny would come up with a name for an item. I'm like, oh, that's a really cool name. I have to design an item that matches that name. So I, I think it's, it's, I don't know, just, it's just how I think about things like having, right. um, you know, sort of some, some external input like that and designing backwards, I think is, um, you know, been done quite a bit in, in Crummit's Tale. Yeah. And it's probably useful because you help keep that theme of whatever the item is or yeah. the mechanic is to whatever had been created before. Right. And I think, I think one way it helps also is, um, I think, uh, the way that Evgeny thinks about, um, like art and design and stuff is, I would say it's very wacky. Um, so he comes up with all sorts of like wacky ideas. Um, and, and the way I think about, um, like the you know design and stuff is more influenced by like Lord of the Rings and World of Warcraft, <laughs> so it's like more serious. So I think right. having having um, you know that kind of like that wacky input, I think um, 
you know, helps me, you know, be more creative when I'm coming up with, with item designs, because I would never come up with the stuff that he comes up with. Yeah. But it's probably a perfect balance because you it help is. him stay grounded. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a, um, you know, definitely a, a symbiotic relationship um, where, you know, he's sort of the, uh, you know, the, the visual creative, you know, wacky ideas. And, you know, I'm like, okay, that's, that's really cool. We need to like, um, you know, somehow make, make this into a game somehow. And so it, it, right. it does work out pretty well. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, so I have one last question. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I always try to ask this for all of the different people that I interview. So when you're thinking about the independent game space, do you have any advice for those who might want to start creating their own games? Uh, and this could be anything, anything that you wish you had known before getting to where you are now. Yeah. Um, let's see. What would be what would be good advice? I mean, I think um, definitely one, and this is maybe kind of a hard one, but um, <laughs> you know, I was uh, I would say um, you know if you can afford to or, or find someone to work with that can um, you know do the artwork if if you're a programmer, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's definitely worthwhile. I think uh, you know one of the reasons I think that Meteor Fall Journeys was successful is. Uh, you know, it's because of the artwork. So if I go, if I go to the app store today, you know, mm -hmm. there's, you know, a million apps I can, can download. And it's like, how do I decide which one to buy? And so, I mean, I'm scrolling through the screenshot. So, um, you know, it's really critical to, you know, if you want to make something that, you know, that people will buy and, and get their attention, I think making it look, making it look good, you know, ha having yeah. a, a professional artist, um, you know, I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, it, it helps get people's attention and, you know, gets people to click it. I mean, I think the, um, you know, I think people, you know, the way I think about it for Meteor Fall Journeys is, you know, people buy it because they saw the screenshot and they stay because the game is fun. But, you exactly. know, if, if the game was, uh, you know, didn't look like it did, maybe they wouldn't have clicked and never would have seen the mechanics. So I think, I think no. that's definitely one, um, one piece of advice I would give. Um, I think the other thing that helped me, so, um, I wrote an article about this, um, and maybe we could add it to the notes um, when I did okay. um, yeah, sure. release Meteor Fall. But um, it was it was something about um, time management, and so you know, how did I have a full time job but also ship Meteor Fall? And so um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what advice I would give there, um, except <laughs> I um, I used something called the uh, the Pomodoro method, um, hmm. which is a sort of a time management technique and and basically you know you could use a actual timer or there's lots of apps for it but uh but what it is is um you know basically it's a um a unit of work um in my case it's 25 minutes called a pomodoro um and basically you you sort of work in these 25 minute increments and afterward you get like a five minute break or something like that and so gotcha. um what I did is I sort of gave myself a, a goal where every day my goal is to complete, uh, you know, three Pomodoros. And if you do that, it's, um, I don't know, like 20 or so a week. Um, mm -hmm. My goal for Meteor Fall Journeys was 25 a week, which, you know, is about okay. 10 to 15 hours. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, I used, so the first thing I did is I set a goal for myself. Like I want to do, you know, 20 Pomodoros a week to start out. And, um, you know, and that, that sort of helped me stay on track. And 
you know, the other thing that's nice about doing work in that way is, you know, it's only 25 minutes. It's less than most TV shows. So it's, it doesn't seem, uh, you know, insurmountable. And, and the yeah. idea is that, um, you know, while you're doing those 25 minutes, you're, you're totally focused on what you're doing and you're not, you know, reading Reddit or, you know, instant messaging people. Like you're, you're really focused for those 25 minutes. And the idea is that, hey, 25 minutes isn't that long. Anyone can do it. So I think, um, you know, coming up with some sort of time management technique to, you know, keep you focused if you actually want to ship something, I think, um, you know, was super helpful for me. Um, and then I guess one last thing I would say is, um, you know, one of the things that I found to be, um, you know, pretty useful is, um, you know, working, putting a lot of effort into building a community around the game. Um, and so, you know, when I, I didn't really start this for Meteor Fall Journeys until um, around the time it was released. Uh, mm. For Kermit's Tale, it started much earlier, but, um, you know, having a subreddit up, um, having a Discord, communicating with players, um, and I think, uh, you know, fans of Meteorfall have really enjoyed, um, you know, getting interaction with the devs behind the game, making sure that, you know, their feedback is heard, seeing, you know, changes they've suggested, um, you know, in the game. And so, um, I think, you know, it helps build a, um, you know, an interested, interested fan base that's, you know, excited about future projects that you do. And so, you know, taking a little bit of like... Uh, I think making a game is not just about, uh, you know, the game itself. It's about, you right. know, all the other stuff. Like a lot of game devs ask, like, you know, what is marketing? Do I need a budget? And it's like, you can, but, um, you know, instead of spending dollars on advertising, you know, maybe take a little bit of time away from programming and a little and spend a little bit of that time on community building and just interacting with the fans who, you know, are supporting the game and, you know, want to make it as good as possible. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Do you have anything else that you'd want to just shout out or tell to the audience? Um, let's see. Um, I mean, you know, definitely for, um, you know, people who have, uh, you know, supported Meteor Fall or Crummit's Tale, um, you know, definitely, you know, a huge thank you to, um, you know, everyone who's, you know, given feedback and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I get a lot of energy from, you know, interacting with fans and, and seeing people get excited about, you know, you know, new characters like, oh, Rose is coming to the game. She's my favorite. Like, I've, I've heard a couple <laughs> comments like that. And it's, you know, it definitely helps me, uh, you know, keep going. Um, you know, a lot of game dev is fun. Not all of it is, like I said, the bug fixes and stuff like that. So sometimes you need that that energy from the fans um, right. you know, to keep it going. Um, I guess the other thing I'll say about Kremit's Tale is, um, let's see, we will be doing a, uh, a mobile beta test pretty soon. Ooh, so, um, cool. yeah, keep an eye out for that. Um, I'm doing some internal test builds for iPhone and Android. Um, so we'll probably have some sort of, you know, form where people can sign up and, um, you know, we'll, we'll do some sort of random selection or, uh, I'm not sure how we'll, we'll select. It depends on how many we get, but, um, you know, keep an eye out for that. Um, definitely excited to put it on mobile because I think, you know, a lot of the fans of Meteor Fall Journeys are, you know, on mobile. Maybe they don't have PCs or maybe they don't game on their yep. PC. So, um, you know, it's always been a goal. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's probably about it. 
All right. Awesome. For those listening, you can get the original Meteor Fall Journeys on iOS or Android. And if you want to pick up Meteor Fall Crummit's Tale, it's an early access right now available on Steam. Once again, Eric, thank you so much for coming out today. Best of luck to you and stay safe out there. (laughs) Thanks. You too. This was a lot of fun. (laughs) Thanks. Bye.